Welcome to the Building Texas Business Podcast. Interviews with thought leaders and organizational visionaries from across industry. Join us as we talk about the latest trends, challenges, and growth opportunities to take your business to the next level. The Building Texas Business Podcast is brought to you by Boyer Miller, providing counsel beyond expectations. Find out how we can make a meaningful difference to your business at BoyerMiller.com. And by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Discover more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Chris Hanslick. In today's episode, you will hear from Fareed Varani, founder and CEO of Prime Communication, and learn how he started in 1999 with one kiosk store in Baybrook Mall, and by staying humble, hungry, and scrappy, he has built Prime to over 2,000 AT&T retail stores across North America. Free, yeah, thanks for being here. Wanted to kind of jump right in and you know tell us a little bit about what your company is known for. Well, what we do, Chris, is we operate AT&T wireless stores nationwide. We basically think of us as a authorized retailer of AT&T stores, AT&T products, wireless, broadband, all sorts of stuff that you would expect in an AT&T store or AT&T. One of AT&T services we sell. We look and feel like AT&T store. That's, that's what we do. Okay, so like the stores we would see in a shopping center. Right, right. Well, tell us, given that is where you are today, how did you get there? What inspired you or how did you get started in this business? Totally by serendipity. I, I saw an operator in California that was, uh, that was literally selling uh, wireless from a mall kiosk store. And I saw that and I was inspired. And that's kind of how I came back home and, and started exact same business with one store in uh, Baybrook Mall back in 1999. Wow. So you actually started with just a kiosk? Just one store, one kiosk, yeah. And what do you, you mind sharing? Kind of what, what have you grown Prime to now? Oh, so today Prime with all of its stores and, and all the distribution we have, we're more than 2,000 stores across North America. So yeah, we, we have grown quite a bit. Wow, that's remarkable. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So... At, 22, I guess going on 22 years now? Yes. When you think about that journey, what have been some of the key principles or fundamentals that you built into the business to kind of help grow it uh, to that size? I think most of the stuff, Chris, is pretty standard with most businesses that they would require. I think of Prime as a platform now that we have built over, let's call it 10, 15 years, where we have brought in good people, obviously, it's the key ingredient, good processes, and technology. And we have found a way to marry all three of them into a platform that, on which we operate from coast to coast. And, and we can operate these stores efficiently and, and still be profitable. Okay. And 
is there anything you incorporated into the hiring process to try to help you identify you know, the right type of people to bring in or? No, I mean, obviously, uh, I tried to hire people much more smarter than I am. <laughs> and But also people that like to work, want to work, uh, workaholics, you know, whatever yeah. you want to call it. People who enjoy what they do, people who are up to a challenge, people who can problem solve, people who can see a big picture and, 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 and can execute, are hyper-connected, have the empathy for, for the team members and are available 24-7. That's one of the key, I, I guess, uh, difference between what we believe we have at Prime and what we see in a lot of other businesses that, that struggle. Okay. So when you think about the things y'all are doing or that you have done, you know, in the last 10 or 15 years at Prime, is there anything that you would describe or believe to be innovative, either you know, specific to your industry or maybe just sure, in general? Sure. No, I, I think we have quite a few things we have done. But one key thing that I think we have developed over the years is we developed what we call our internal portal. Okay. Think of it like a dashboard that has a bunch of KPIs and what have you. But when we started building that 15 years ago when cloud computing and dashboards and all of them were very, very new. And we did it in-house. We have a team that, that has a bunch of smart people on it. They helped. They took a concept. And now that concept, because it's dynamic, they keep changing it, making it better day in and day out. And today, I believe, looking back at it, I would, I would basically say that's our secret sauce. Interesting. So that allows you to kind of track what's going on across the company? At every level. Mm -hmm. So it's hierarchy-based. So depending on whether you're a store manager, whether you are a district manager, it doesn't matter. You have your own uh, profile and you have access to that. In the morning, somebody comes at a store. Uh, they clock in using the portal, their sales performance, their their entire work life, it's there. And and the same thing for a market director that has 45 stores and, and let's say South Florida has the same tool, the same, same tool that whether he's on the phone or an iPad or a desktop, he has very, very good details about his business or her business. He has very, very good analytics, live data, sales data, employee data, performance, KPIs, everything put together, and it continues to evolve. So that's impressive. If I have to say one thing that is unique, I would say that's one of the things we did. And we did it years ago. Sure. That's what it sounds like. And it sounds internally developed and continued to manage yes, it. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a very small team that owns it, runs it with a great Great leader. So uh, that's clearly been a success or a key part of your success. Mm -hmm. When you think about that's 20, almost 22 year journey, what are maybe one or two of the major setbacks that you recall that that were a challenge to get through, but you look back and maybe thankful for the learning that you got and how, what did you do to overcome? You know, <clears throat> Let me answer it differently. I don't remember having one major setback in business that that comes to mind, but you know, it's a long journey. So a lot of times working with the 
large corporation like we do with AT&T, it has this tremendous strengths and, 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 and benefits, but also has challenges and limitations. Working a, a scrappy entrepreneurial company to work with a Fortune 10 company, at times it's difficult for us, but you know, getting over that, managing growth. We, we, I mean, how do you, what is too much? Right. And, and, and what is the right amount of growth? How do you, how do you fund things? How do you grow and acquire stores? How do you, how do you invest in building stores? And so a whole bunch of obstacles, but we've been fortunate that in the beginning, in younger years, earlier years, we did not we didn't go for any home runs. I've always believed in singles and doubles, not to quote baseball mm-hmm. right now. And, What's a good time to be good, quoting good baseball? Good time to baseball. Singles and doubles has been the strategy. And in the early years, Chris, we, I, I literally, literally believe that one of the key things we did well is that we didn't, we didn't aim for, we didn't go for home runs. We just did singles and doubles for a while until we built capacity and then built some good, brought in some good people. And then we were able to aggressively grow and acquire and, and, and move on. I think that's, that's really sound advice because mm-hmm. as you were talking then about how to grow, when to grow, you know, there's this whole concept of not growing too fast, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They can, you can have all the success, grow too fast, and yeah. it can cause you to fail. Right, and right. It sounds like you resisted that and stayed within yourself. Yes, I, I, I absolutely have. And, and, you know, one of the key things that, I believe, and as a team, we believe that there is no deal we got to have. There is nothing we have to do or prove it to someone. So that has helped us by, by, by not making a lot of mistakes and, and, and just you know, go after something that's not a good sound business, not a prudent business, but you fall in love with it and you're just kind of in deal fever and trying to, to do something that, that perhaps is not a good fit for you. Sure. So that's kind of what's been, you know, some of the things that we have dealt with, struggled with. Oh, so don't get too emotional in the deal. Oh, yeah. That, right. that I think, uh, that has served us well, yes. Very good. So <clears throat> you, you touched on it a little bit, so I want to ask more specifically, as you've grown, you've, you've resisted certain growth at, at a certain pace, you've developed a culture at Prime. Yes. How would you describe that culture? What sure. are some of the uh, elements that you think make it up? So I, I, there is a, there, <laughs> we have a, a little, you know, not a motto, but kind of like the key things that values, you can call it. And, and I'll say it to you, it's be humble, or I should say stay humble, stay hungry, and stay scrappy. Okay. And, and all three of these things, I believe that, that I talk about it all the time. I believe when, you, when you're humble and you have humility, you're open to ideas. You're, you're, open, you're open to listening to people. And, and I think that goes a long way. And when you're hungry, and I mean intellectually hungry, you, you have, you're driven. And when you're driven, you, you wake up in the morning thinking of ideas and things you want to do, and it helps you. And, and when you're scrappy, it's, that means you are a scrappy entrepreneur. You do more with less. Yeah. So you can outrun your competition. And I think those are three values uh, that has served us well. I like those. You know, humble is one. Obviously, you hear a lot of hungry, too, maybe in different words. But scrappy, maybe my new favorite. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's one of my favorite words. Uh, a good be- one. Because it, it, it means so much 
to so many different <clears throat> people. I mean, it's it means it, it to me it means entrepreneurship, and I tell my my team this all the time. I mean. There is, there is a joke, what would Fareed do, WWFD, what would Fareed do? <laughs> and the idea isn't, isn't that, hey, look how smart I am. The idea is that that's how I think, Yeah. you know, and, and we, we have all these one, you know, all these things, you know, run it like you own it, you know, run it like you own it. So when we talk to store managers and district managers, we'll say, what would you do if this was your business? And what, whatever that is, do it. So autonomy, right? Yes. I mean- well. I would say prudent autonomy. Yeah. You know, a sandbox in which a, a district manager, manager can run their business so long, you know, it's sound business. Sure. There's some guardrails. Yes, guardrails. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, for scrappy. I, yeah. When I think of scrappy, I think of resourceful. Exactly. Right? That's exactly what it means. Yeah. Resourceful, resilient, you know, and, and be able to think and problem solve. To me, that's what it means. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then that's the culture looking more personally at you. How would you describe your leadership style? And, and given that it may have evolved over time, how, how has it evolved? Yeah, so I, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tricky question. I think it has evolved over the years. Sure. But, but, and if you ask my coworkers, maybe they'll say, that's not true, but, but I'll give you my... Well, if, I, if they listen and provide comments, I'll let you know. <laughs> No, I, I, I joke about, about myself that I, I think of myself as an operator and, 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 and I see things, which is both my strength and my weakness. Sure. Because I see things. I notice things that perhaps I shouldn't, but I do. I can't help it. So, so, so because of that, my, in the beginning, I was literally in everything, every aspect of the business. I mean, I've done everything from shipping boxes to the stores to, to, to literally balance our, our QuickBooks in the early days to pretty much do everything, you know, help build stores and negotiate leases, done it all. But over the years, I think I have gotten much more comfortable with letting the key leaders of the business run the business. And and I have become, I like to think, and I hope it's true, more of a, I've learned how to delegate trust, empower, and yet hold accountable. So so that's kind of how, and having KPIs, it's been helpful. That's a, it's a tough thing to do when you kind of have come up through the ranks as a one man show, right? Absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like speaking for myself, I think, but hearing you talk about it, the, the key there is trust, right? Hiring yeah. the people that you know, right you people in the, you know, like they say, put the good people. In, I mean, what, what is it? First two, then what? That's right. First Jim two, Collins. Jim Collins. Yeah. Good to great. First two, then yeah. what? Get good people on board. The bus. The bus. And get it. good people on the bus and then put the right. And then let one of the best things, if you look at today Prime's leadership, most, most of the people that have come, I'm talking about leadership in, in our back office, in the field, 
some because field is just way too many people. Sure. But in the back office, most of the people have come uh, through personal relationships, like knowing somebody for 10 years and then, then they come over or knowing somebody for five years or whatever and they come in. So you have comfort. You have you have what I call trust, confidence. Okay. All of the above. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. So talked about your style. What are some of the, and maybe you said this, but the qualities of leadership that you think are important? Is that kind of the trust? And- yeah. I mean, like, like I said, just to be able to, to, I believe the best thing I can do for prime or, or best thing I can, I've ever done for prime is to bring in good people and, and people who can come and lead and do a better job than I can ever do. Yeah. And, and I absolutely believe in that. And I, I think I've been fortunate to, to be to, to be able to do that to find and meet people that that kind of fit that mold. So, what has helped you develop that leadership style and the evolution? Is there a mentor or two that you've had along the way? Are there seminars or books that you've read? Obviously, you mentioned Jim Collins and Good to Great uh, as one. Yeah. Anything like that that comes to mind? Dumb luck, I guess. I don't know, <laughs> or, or, or school of hard knocks, whatever you want to call it. I think it's just how how uh, I'm wired. I, I've I've tried to be more accessible, and 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 I take interest, and and you know I travel, I meet people, and 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 that has given um, given us this opportunity. I, I don't think there is a one thing or two things. I think it's several little things that kind of help help you know help you help with this, with recruiting people, bringing people. Accumulate over time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would say. So the last 18 months or so have been, you know, a little bit unorthodox. Uh, How, how has the pandemic affected your business and or changed how you've had to operate? If it has, you know, what's been the learning for you and prime through this? I think for me, I'd like to say that I, I am so proud and so humbled by the fact that how resilient our team is, especially in the stores, in the field. Chris, we never closed. We never closed any of our stores unless there was a citywide, like New York City, San Francisco, when when we had to close. But everywhere else, we adjusted, we we implemented all the things that, that we needed to do to keep social distance to, to prudently operate stores. But, and we obviously, you know, buy online, pick up at stores, some of the technology helped. But more than that, I think it's our team that that is in their resiliency. To me, it's the reason we never closed. So we never closed. We went remote in our back office because people are, are, are comfortable working remotely, but stores had to be open. And, and throughout that entire journey, we learned to be even more scrappy than before. Right. You can imagine that. And, and we basically uh, were able to prune some of the stores that were underperforming. And we picked up some stores that were hyperperforming. So in a way, our store mix looks better today than it did 18 months ago. We are... And, and, Throughout this entire journey, we, we improved our processes more. AT&T absolutely helped us in many, many ways by improving 
uh, their processes, aligning better, align, aligning their okay. processes with us. That helped. And frankly, I mean, they were there, AT&T was there to help us. And, and with the retail, with people, more and more people were buying stuff online. So that in the beginning, in the beginning of all of this, hurt us a little bit, but then we recovered quickly when people kind of felt comfortable enough that they can come to our stores, park outside, go in there, or basically be in the car and we'll come out. So it was an easier uh, transition for people. And basically we sell a very addictive product, right? So people, <laughs> yes, people are not... People are willing to to come to the stores and transact. Yes. Yeah, I think in fact, I think there was something on the news this week about how the addictive nature of yeah. the smartphone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it sounds like like it doesn't surprise me. Most good businesses, you go through a time like the last eighteen months, and, and you found a way to focus on the positive and make your company better. I would think so. I think my team, our team, from the back office, all the way to the front front of the store, everybody stepped up. And, and yes, we had our shares of difficulties. And imagine our employees that have kids and, and our parents and they themselves are struggling and all of that stuff across the board. I mean, that it was very disruptive, but our team, our HR team in this case, really stepped up. That's good. So... The listening base for this podcast are business owners, entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. or people aspiring to be. What one or two things would you, kind of words of wisdom, if you will, impart to them in the context of, here's, here are things, if you're thinking about doing this or, or you're starting, you've started a company you want to grow, here, here are one or two things that I think you should know or maybe something that you wish you had known that you've learned along the way. Well, here's... Here's what I would answer it that here's how I believe and, and I'll share my experiences. Okay. And the listeners can, you know, pick, partake in whatever they want, right? So one of the things that I said early earlier is that in the beginning, especially when we were starting, one of the good things I was fortunate enough to do is just not just to go for singles and doubles, right? We didn't. We did not grow. We only operated in Houston, and and then we went to Dallas, and then we went to San Antonio and Austin. We we grew what I would call very prudently. So that helped. We brought in, or I worked hard on bringing in key people, good people. My prime employee number one, prime employee number two are still with the company. They're going to retire this year, but they are still with the company. Oh, that's amazing. So, so that should tell you that bringing in the right people helps, right? So, and so treating that, them well. And of course, absolutely. And, you know, and earning, earning their confidence throughout the process. So, so that helped, right? And, and for me, the principle of not, you know, no deal you got to have. So if you, the day you convince yourself that you don't have to have this deal, you, it's, it's a state of mind. Yeah, liberating. Lib- very liberating, very liberating. It, it, and also it avoids uh, a, lot of, a lot of pitfalls, especially in the early days. See, what you want to do, in my opinion, in your early days, you want to kind of steady Eddie. And once you have your sea legs, as they say, then you can, you, can, you can lean forward. Then you can be aggressive. And then you can take little um, 
bit more risk. So that those would be some of the things that I would I would share with whoever would listen. Yeah. And 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 again, there is I don't think there is any magic out there. There's no secret sauce. There's no do A, B, and C. No, it's just different. And again, a little bit of pixie dust goes a long way. I mean, we ended up getting involved in a business that I never knew that was going to be that iPhones are going to come and everybody's going to whether they're eight or eighty eight or eighteen or eighty will be hooked on it. Sure. Yeah. Ninety nine. Ninety nine. You wouldn't know. Exactly. Yeah. That was what was that. Eight, ten years before the iPhone even came out. Yeah, absolutely. We were selling these candy bar phones or flip phones. And, <laughs> candy and, bar phones. Yeah. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> you, you know what I mean, yeah. the, the Nokia phone that wouldn't fold. Yes. So you had a flip phone and you had a candy bar phone. So think of a sneakers. <laughs> no, I, you're right. It looked like an old candy bar. Yeah, right, right. Some of the young people listening have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think the, those three things, Fareed, are, are wonderful advice that, that anyone should follow. So switching to a lighter side. Sure. What was your first job? A busboy. Okay. In a restaurant, busboy, yeah. Very good. So you're, you're, you're as Texan as they come. So Tex-Mex or barbecue, what's your favorite? Tex-Mex. Okay. And any books you've read lately or are currently reading that you would recommend? Yeah, I, I, I listen to books, right? So right now I'm reading this book called Americana. Okay. It is a fabulous book. It, it reads like a novel. It's basically 400, 400 year histories of American capitalism, going all the way back to Mayflower. Really? Absolutely. Highly, highly recommended. It, 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 is, it, is, it is amazing. Okay. Last thing I'll ask you is if you could take a one month sabbatical, where would you go? What would you do? <laughs> it's easy. I would go to Orange County, California, and not do anything. Go to the beach every day, eat, walk around, sit, sit on a patio. Enjoy the weather. Enjoy the weather, yes. That's what I would do. Very good. Free, thank you so much for coming on and sharing these thoughts and views. Your stories are, you know, to me, amazing, and, and congratulations. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And there we have it, another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at BoyerMiller.com forward slash podcast. And you can find out more about all the ways our firm can help you at BoyerMiller.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.